Selections from Culpepper's Complete Herbal by Nicholas Culpepper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Louise J. Bell. Selections from Culpepper's Complete Herbal by Nicholas Culpepper. Ladies' Mantle. Description. It has many leaves rising from the root, standing upon long, hairy footstalks, being almost round, and a little cut on the edges into eight or ten parts, making it seem like a star. With so many corners and points, and dented roundabout, of a light green color, somewhat hard in handling, and as it were folded or plaited at first, and then crumpled in diverse places, and a little hairy, as the stalk is also, which rises up among them to the height of two or three feet, and being weak, is not able to stand upright, but bended to the ground, divided at the top into two or three small branches, with small yellowish-green heads, and flowers of a whitish color, breaking out of them, which being passed, there comes a small yellowish seed like a poppy seed. The root is somewhat long and black, with many strings and fibers thereat. Place. It grows naturally in many pastures and woodsides in Hertfordshire, Wiltshire, and Kent, and other places of this land. Time. It flowers in May and June, abides after seed time, green all the winter. Government and Virtues Venus claims the herb as her own. Ladies' mantle is very proper for those wounds that have inflammations, and is very effectual to stay bleeding, vomitings, fluxes of all sorts, bruises by falls or otherwise and helps ruptures, and such women as have large breasts, causing them to grow less and hard, being both drank and outwardly applied. The distilled water drank for twenty days together helps conception, and to retain the birth. If the women do sometimes also sit in a bath made of the decoction of the herb. It is one of the most singular wound herbs that is and therefore highly prized and praised by the Germans, who use it in all wounds inward and outward, to drink a decoction thereof, and wash the wounds therewith, or dip tents therein, and put them into the wounds, which wonderfully dries up all humidity of the sores, and abates inflammations therein. It quickly heals all green wounds, not suffering any corruption to remain behind, and cures all old sores, though fistulous and hollow. Lavender Being an inhabitant almost in every garden, it is so well known that it needs no description. Time It flowers about the end of June and beginning of July. Government and Virtues Mercury owns the herb, and it carries his effects very potently. 
Lavender is of a special good use for all the griefs and pains of the head and brain that proceed of a cold cause, as the apoplexy, falling sickness, the dropsy, or sluggish malady, cramps, convulsions, palsies, and often faintings. It strengthens the stomach and frees the liver and spleen from obstructions, provokes women's courses, and expels the dead child and afterbirth. The flowers of lavender steeped in wine helps them to make water that are stopped or are troubled with the wind or colic if the place be bathed therewith. A decoction made with the flowers of lavender, whorehound, fennel, and asparagus root, and a little cinnamon is very profitably used to help the falling sickness and the giddiness or turning of the brain. To gargle the mouth with the decoction thereof is good against the toothache. Two spoonfuls of the distilled water of the flowers taken helps them that have lost their voice, as also the tremblings and passions of the heart, and faintings and swooning, not only being drank, but applied to the temples or nostrils to be smelled unto. But it is not safe to use it where the body is replete with blood and humors because of the hot and subtle spirits wherewith it is possessed. The chemical oil drawn from lavender, usually called oil of spike, is of so fierce and piercing a quality that it is cautiously to be used, some few drops being sufficient, to be given with other things, either for inward or outward griefs. Lavender Cotton It being a common garden herb, I shall forbear the description, only taking notice that it flowers in June and July. Government and Virtues It is under the dominion of mercury. It resists poison, putrefaction, and heals the biting of venomous beasts. A dram of the powder of the dried leaves taken every morning, fasting, stops the running of the rains in men and whites in women. The seed, beaten into powder and taken as worm seed, kills the worms not only in children, but also in people of riper years. The like doth the herb itself, being steeped in milk, and the milk drank. The body bathed with the decoction of it helps scabs and itch. Ladies' Smock or Cuckoo Flower This is a very pretty ornament to the sides of most meadows. Description The root is composed of many small white threads from whence spring up diverse long stalks of winged leaves, consisting of round, tender, dark, green leaves, set one against another upon a middle rib, the greatest being at the end, amongst which arise up diverse tender, weak, round, green stalks, somewhat streaked, with longer and smaller leaves upon them, on the tops of which stand flowers, almost like the stock gilliflowers, but rounder and not so long, 
of a blushing white color. The seed is reddish and grows to small branches, being of a sharp, biting taste, and so has the herb. Place. They grow in moist places and near to brooksides. Time. They flower in April and May, and the lower leaves continue green all the winter. Government and virtues. They are under the dominion of the moon and very little inferior to watercresses in all their operations. They are excellently good for the scurvy. They provoke urine and break the stone and excellently warm a cold and weak stomach, restoring lost appetite and help digestion. Water Lily of these, there are two principally noted kinds, viz. the white and the yellow. Description The white lily has very large and thick dark green leaves lying on the water, sustained by long and thick footstalks that arise from a great, thick, round and long tuberous black root, spongy or loose, with many knobs thereon, green on the outside, but as white as snow within, consisting of diverse rows of long and somewhat thick and narrow leaves, smaller and thinner the more inward they be, encompassing a head with many yellow threads or thrums in the middle, where, after they are passed, stand round poppy-like heads full of broad, oily, and bitter seed. The yellow kind is little different from the former, save only that it has fewer leaves on the flowers, greater and more shining seed, and a whitish root, both within and without. The root of both is somewhat sweet in taste. Place They are found growing in great pools and standing waters, and sometimes in slow-running rivers, and lesser ditches of water in sundry places of this land. Time. They flower most commonly about the end of May, and their seed is ripe in August. Government and Virtues. The herb is under the dominion of the moon, and therefore cools and moistens like the former. The leaves and flowers of the water lilies are cold and moist, but the roots and seeds are cold and dry. The leaves do cool all inflammations, both outward and inward heat of agues, and so doth the flowers also, either by the syrup or conserve. The syrup helps much to procure rest and to settle the brain of frantic persons by cooling the hot distemperature of the head. The seed, as well as the root, is effectual to stay fluxes of blood or humors, either of wounds or of the belly, but the roots are most used and more effectual to cool, bind, and restrain all fluxes in man or woman. The root is likewise very good for those whose urine is hot and sharp, to be boiled in wine and water, and the decoction drank. The distilled water of the flowers 
is very effectual for all the diseases aforesaid, both inwardly taken and outwardly applied, and is much commended to take away freckles, spots, sunburn, and morphew from the face or other parts of the body. The oil made of the flowers, as oil of roses is made, is profitably used to cool hot tumors and to ease the pains and help the sores. Lily of the Valley, also called Conval Lily, Male Lily, and Lily Confancy. Description The root is small and creeps far in the ground as grass roots do. The leaves are many, against which rises up a stalk half a foot high, with many white flowers like little bells with turned edges, of a strong though pleasing smell. The berries are red, not much unlike those of asparagus. Place. They grow plentifully upon Hampstead Heath and many other places in this nation. Time. They flower in May, and the seed is ripe in September. Government and Virtues It is under the dominion of Mercury, and therefore it strengthens the brain, recruits a weak memory, and makes it strong again. The distilled water dropped into the eyes helps inflammations there, as also that infirmity which they call a pin and web. The spirit of the flowers distilled in wine restores lost speech, helps the palsy, and is excellently good in the apoplexy, comforts the heart and vital spirits. Gerard saith that the flowers being close stopped up in a glass, put into an ant hill, and taken away again a month after, ye shall find a liquor in the glass which, being outwardly applied, helps the gout. Juniper Bush For to give a description of a bush so commonly known is needless. Place They grow plentifully in diverse woods in Kent, Warning Common near Brentwood in Essex, upon Finchley Common without Highgate, hard by the new-found wells near Dulwich, upon a common between Mitcham and Croydon, in the Highgate near Amersham in Buckinghamshire, and many other places. Time. The berries are not ripe the first year, but continue green two summers and one winter before they are ripe, at which time they are all of a black color, and therefore you shall always find upon the bush green berries. The berries are ripe about the fall of the leaf. Government and Virtues This admirable solar shrub is scarce to be paralleled for its virtues. The berries are hot in the third degree, and dry but in the first, being a most admirable counterpoison and as great a resistor of the pestilence as any grows. They are excellent good against the bitings of venomous beasts. They provoke urine exceedingly, and therefore are very available to dysuries and stranguries. 
it is so powerful a remedy against the dropsy that the very lye made of the ashes of the herb being drank cures the disease. It provokes the terms, helps the fits of the mother, strengthens the stomach exceedingly, and expels the wind. Indeed, there is scarce a better remedy for wind in any part of the body or the colic than the chemical oil drawn from the berries. Such country people as know not how to draw the chemical oil may content themselves by eating ten or a dozen of the ripe berries every morning fasting. They are admirably good for a cough, shortness of breath, and consumption pains in the belly, ruptures, cramps, and convulsions. They give safe and speedy delivery to women with child. They strengthen the brain exceedingly, help the memory, and fortify the sight by strengthening the optic nerves, are excellently good in all sorts of agues, help the gout and sciatica, and strengthen the limbs of the body. The ashes of the wood is a speedy remedy to such as have the scurvy to rub their gums with. The berries stay all fluxes, help the hemorrhoids or piles, and kill worms in children. A lye made of the ashes of the wood and the body bathed with it cures the itch, scabs, and leprosy. The berries break the stone procure appetite when it is lost, and are excellently good for all palsies and falling sickness. The Bay Tree This is so well known that it needs no description. I shall therefore only write the virtues thereof, which are many. Government and Virtues I shall but only add a word or two to what my friend has written, viz., that it is a tree of the sun, and under the celestial sign, Leo, and resists witchcraft very potently, as also all the evils old Saturn can do to the body of man, and they are not a few. For it is the speech of one, and I am mistaken if it were not Misaldus, that neither witch nor devil, thunder nor lightning, will hurt a man in the place where a bay tree is. Galen said that the leaves or bark do dry and heal very much, and the berries more than the leaves. The bark of the root is less sharp and hot, but more bitter, and hath some astriction withal, whereby it is effectual to break the stone, and good to open obstructions of the liver, spleen, and other inward parts, which bring the jaundice, dropsy, etc. The leaves are very effectual against all poison of venomous creatures, and the sting of wasps and bees, as also against the pestilence or other infectious diseases, and therefore put into sundry treacles for that purpose. They likewise procure women's courses and seven of them, given to a woman in sore travail of childbirth, do cause a speedy delivery, and expel the afterbirth. 
and therefore not to be taken by such as have not gone out their time, lest they procure abortion, or cause labor too soon. They wonderfully help all cold and rheumatic distillations from the brain to the eyes, lungs, or other parts, and being made into an electuary with honey, do help the consumption, old coughs, shortness of breath, and thin rooms, as also the magrim. They mightily expel the wind and provoke urine, help the mother, and kill the worms. The leaves also work the like effects. A bath of the decoction of the leaves and berries is singularly good for women to sit in that are troubled with the mother, or the diseases thereof, or the stoppings of their courses, or for the diseases of the bladder, pains in the bowels by wind, and stopping of the urine. A decoction likewise of equal parts of bayberries, cumin seed, hyssop, origanum, and euphorbium with some honey, and the head bathed therewith, wonderfully helps distillations and rooms, and settles the palate of the mouth into its place. The oil made of the berries is very comfortable in all cold griefs of the joints, nerves, arteries, stomach, belly, or womb, and helpeth palsies, convulsions, cramp, aches, tremblings, and numbness in any part, weariness also, and pains that come by sore traveling. All griefs and pains proceeding from wind, either in the head, stomach, back, belly, or womb, by anointing the parts affected therewith, and pains in the ears are also cured by dropping in some of the oil, or by receiving into the ears the fume of the decoction of the berries through a funnel. The oil takes away the marks of the skin and flesh by bruises, falls, etc., and dissolves the congealed blood in them. It helps also the itch, scabs, and wheels in the skin. Beans. Both the garden and field beans are so well known that it saveth me the labor of writing any description of them. The virtues follow. Government and virtues. They are plants of Venus, and the distilled water of the flower of garden beans is good to clean the face and skin from spots and wrinkles, and the meal or flour of them or the small beans doth the same. The water distilled from the green husks is held to be very effectual against the stone and to provoke urine. Bean flour is used in poultices to assuage inflammations arising from wounds and the swelling of women's breasts caused by the curdling of their milk, and represseth their milk. Flour of beans and fenugreek mixed with honey and applied to felons, boils, bruises, or blue marks by blows, or the impostumes in the kernels of the ears, helpeth them all. And with rose leaves, frankincense, and the white of an egg 
being applied to the eyes, helpeth them that are swollen, or do water, or have received any blow upon them, if used with wine. If a bean be parted in two, the skin being taken away, and laid on the place where the leech hath been set that bleedeth too much, stayeth the bleeding. Bean flour boiled to a poultice with wine and vinegar, and some oil put thereto, eases both pains and swelling of the cods. The husks, boiled in water to the consumption of a third part thereof, stayeth a lask, and the ashes of the husks, made up with old hog's grease, helps the old pains, contusions, and wounds of the sinews, the sciatica, and gout. The field beans have all the aforementioned virtues as the garden beans. Beans eaten are extremely windy meat, but if after the Dutch fashion, when they are half-boiled, you husk them and then stew them, I cannot tell you how, for I never was cook in all my life, they are wholesome food. French Beans Description. This French or kidney bean ariseth at first but with one stalk, which afterwards divides itself into many arms or branches, but all so weak that if they be not sustained with sticks or poles, they will be fruitless upon the ground. At several places of these branches grow foot stalks, each with three broad, round, and pointed green leaves at the end of them. Towards the top comes forth diverse flowers made like to peas blossoms, of the same color for the most part that the fruit will be of, that is to say, white, yellow, red, blackish, or of a deeper purple, but white is the most usual after which come long and slender flat cods, some crooked, some straight, with a string running down the back thereof, wherein is flattish round fruit made like a kidney. The root long spreads with many strings annexed to it and perishes every year. There is another sort of French beans, commonly growing with us in this land, which is called the scarlet flower bean. This rises with sundry branches as the other, but runs higher, to the length of hop poles, about which they grow twining, but turn contrary to the sun, having footstalks with three leaves on each, as on the other. The flowers also are like the other, and of a most orient scarlet color. The beans are larger than the ordinary kind, of a dead purple color, turning black when ripe and dry. The root perishes in winter. Government and Virtues These also belong to Dame Venus, and being dried and beat to powder, are as great strengtheners of the kidneys as any are. 
neither is there a better remedy than it. A dram at a time, taken in white wine to prevent the stone, or to cleanse the kidneys of gravel or stoppage. The ordinary French beans are of an easy digestion. They move the belly, provoke urine, enlarge the breast that is straightened with shortness of breath, engender sperm, and incite to venery. And the scarlet-colored beans, in regard of the glorious beauty of their color, being set near a quick-set hedge, will bravely adorn the same by climbing up thereon, so that they may be discerned a great way, not without admiration of the beholders at a distance. But they will go near to kill the quicksets by clothing them in scarlet. Water Betony Called also brownwort, and in Yorkshire, bishop's leaves. Description First, of the water betony, which rises up with square, hard, greenish stalks, sometimes brown, set with broad, dark green leaves, dented about the edges with notches somewhat resembling the leaves of the wood betony, but much larger, too, for the most part set at a joint. The flowers are many, set at the tops of the stalks and branches, being round-bellied and open at the brims, and divided into two parts, the uppermost being like a hood, and the lowermost like a hip hanging down, of a dark red color, which passing there comes in their places, small round heads with small points at the ends, wherein lie small and brownish seeds. The root is a thick bush of strings and shreds growing from the head. Place. It grows by the ditch side, brooks, and other watercourses, generally through this land, and is seldom found far from the waterside. Time. It flowers about July, and the seed is ripe in August. Government and Virtues Water betony is an herb of Jupiter in Cancer, and is appropriated more to wounds and hurts in the breasts than wood betony, which follows. It is an excellent remedy for sick hogs. It is of a cleansing quality. The leaves, bruised and applied, are effectual for all old and filthy ulcers, and especially if the juice of the leaves be boiled in a little honey, and dipped therein, and the sores dressed therewith, as also for bruises and hurts, whether inward or outward. The distilled water of the leaves is used for the same purpose, as also to bathe the face and hands spotted or blemished or discolored by sunburning. I confess I do not much fancy distilled waters, I mean such waters as are distilled cold. Some virtues of the herb they may haply have, 
it were a strange thing else. But this I am confident of, that being distilled in a pewter still, as the vulgar and apish fashion is, both chemical oil and salt is left behind, unless you burn them, and then all is spoiled, water and all, which was good for as little as can be by such a distillation. The Beech Tree In treating of this tree, you must understand that I mean the green-mast beech, which is, by way of distinction, from that other small, rough sort, called in Sussex the smaller beech, but in Essex, hornbeam. I suppose it is needless to describe it, being already too well known to my countrymen. Place. It grows in woods amongst oaks and other trees, and in parks, forests, and chases, to feed deer, and in other places to fatten swine. Time. It blooms in the end of April, or beginning of May, for the most part, and the fruit is ripe in September. Government and Virtues. It is a plant of Saturn, and therefore performs his qualities and proportion in these operations. The leaves of the beech tree are cooling and binding, and therefore good to be applied to hot swellings to discuss them. The nuts do much nourish such beasts as feed thereon. The water that is found in the hollow places of decaying beeches will cure both man and beast of any scurf or running tetters, if they be washed therewith. You may boil the leaves into a poultice, or make an ointment of them when time of year serves. End of Selections from Culpepper's Complete Herbal by Nicholas Culpepper Recording by Louise J. Bell, Sebastopol, California